You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Hello, Koinonia Church. Uh, we are in the final weekend of our Preppers Are You Ready series. In this series, we've been talking about simply the question of when it all falls apart, what will you have stashed in your spiritual bug out bags? See, Preppers prep uh, so that when things go south, they have all that they need uh, if, for those moments. They've got a backpack prepared for any situation that they're going to grab uh, and they're going to be able to bug out. But we're preparing right now to not bug out. We're preparing to stay right here, right where we're at. And we need to be ready, whether it's the next shutdown, the next pandemic, whether it's an economic downturn, or whether it's things getting better. We know that as followers of Jesus, we have to be ready. We've been looking at the book of Jude, a very short book, a short letter found in the New Testament, only 25 verses. And, and Jude uh, gives us some uh, some essential and important tools for prepping as believers and followers of Jesus so that we are, in fact, ready. We've talked about so far in this series that having the right attitude, the prepper attitude, that we have to have an attitude of preparation, attitude of perspective, understanding who we are in Christ and being ready for what is to come. We've talked about uh, the prepper's handbook and knowing how to use the Word of God and staying engaged uh, with it because it has all of the resources that we need. We've talked about the prepper's routine, that we have to know how to build ourselves up and keep ourselves in the love of God and wait for him and for the way that he's going to bring his mercy into the future. And this week, we're going to end uh, with a skill that I really think is critical and important for us uh, to stay on track uh, and, and to stay in tune and in task with uh, what God wants us to do and be in this season. And I'm going to read to you uh, really, th these entire verses that we have used, uh, primarily focused on verses 17 through 23 in this series. I'm going to reread them uh, to you and then look at the final verses that we're going to be covering today. It begins there in verse 17. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions. Worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And here's our two verses for today. And have mercy on some who are doubting, Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. What I want to talk to you today uh, about is having spiritual discernment in an age of confusion. A critical, critical skill for us as followers of Jesus. Now, discernment is the ability to judge well. It is being able to identify the origin of something, where it has come from, so that we can understand the nature of something. So if you're discerning, you're able to know what's behind the thing, not only the thing. You're able to understand it so that you can identify, is it good or is it bad? Hebrews 5 verse 14 uh, says uh, something important to us about discernment. It says this, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. It says there's training that is needed if we're going to be able to, to understand the difference between 
between right and wrong. So you can train yourself, uh, for example, with food to discern good food from, from bad food. Snacks and sugar don't really require much training uh, for us. We, we, it's always easier to eat an unhealthy diet than it is a healthy diet. But if you have trained yourself uh, to eat properly, right, to, to eat the, the right kind of food, if you have eaten the right kind of food prepared in the right way, you'll find that through that training, it becomes easier and easier to discern between the food that gives you diabetes and, the, and that makes you feel crummy at the end of the day and the food that actually strengthens you and is healthy for your body. So, so discernment is, of course, not just about food. It's about everything in life. We can train ourselves to have a, a discerning ear so that when we hear things, we can identify what is truth and what's lie. Uh, we, we can have a discerning palate, right? The, we, we can identify good spiritual food from uh, the teachings that simply are all about tickling your ears, making you feel good, but they're not actually impacting and changing your heart. You can have a discerning a spirit. A discerning spirit is able to identify the spirit that is behind something, not just the thing. First John 4, 1 says uh, this, Dear friends, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. So when we're hearing something, when we're hearing a teaching, what we are told here is that we have to be discerning. We have to be careful because what we're receiving is not always from the Spirit of God. It could, could be a mixture of things or could have a source that is not from God entirely. Did you know that, that in every kind of teaching, every kind of doctrine, it only comes from three sources? There's only three sources it can come from. Either it comes from God, it comes from man, or it comes from Satan. Now, any teaching that you receive, anytime you hear something, it can come from one of these three sources or, or a mixture of the three of them. And in order to discern, you have to have that ability to be able to see what's behind that teaching. Boy, there's so many things that are out there today. So many claims of, of truth. So many uh, twists on a version of the truth. We need discernment. Solomon prayed for a discerning heart in 1 Kings. Uh, he, he said to the Lord, he said, please give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, and to distinguish between right and wrong. See, that's what we want. I know that's what you want. That's certainly what I want, is that we would have an ability to know, boy, what is the truth? What is right? What is wrong? How do I walk in this life and not stumble to the left or to the right, but stay right on the path where God wants me to stay? Uh, Paul says it in this way in 1 Corinthians. And listen, listen to this. It's an important verse. It says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are only discerned, they're discerned only through the Spirit. He says, man, listen, if you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you, when you hear the truth of God, to you it sounds like foolishness. And isn't that what Paul said about the cross? He says, to the world, the cross is foolishness. Of course it's foolishness. It, uh, the, to to uh, a Middle Eastern man born in a remote village that somehow is going to live and die on a cross and take on the sins of the world. It makes no sense in the natural unless you have 
the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, then the Spirit of God inside of you illumines and enlightens that truth, and you see, oh my goodness, that's actually from the Spirit of God. That's not foolishness at all. It's so important for us as the people of God to rely on His Spirit that's inside of us so that we could discern, that we could see behind the thing and understand whether it's truth or whether it's error. So let's go back to Jude for a moment. Because the, the whole book is a warning and an encouragement to us, to believers, so that we're ready uh, and we're prepared, so that we're ready f- to be aware of people that are uh, bringing teachings that deviate from the core of the gospel. And so here, here's those two verses again, and have mercy, verse 22, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. All right, so here we see three groups of people that you and I need to be able to identify and respond to. Three groups of people that are important for us that he calls out, Jude calls out here. These three, number one, the doubting. Secondly, the burning. Three, the dangerous. Now, we have to be discerning because if we don't understand who we're dealing with, we will do damage to others and to ourselves. Now, this is not not every group of people in the world, right? He's not saying all people fall into these three categories. He's not saying that. He's saying as believers, you and I have to be aware and cautious that very often there are three groups of people that we're dealing with. And these three groups of people, we have to address each and every one differently. We can't treat them all the same. And we have to be discerning. It's going to require the spirit of discernment for us to see who they are and how we should respond. So the first group is this. The doubting. Verse 22, right? Have mercy on some who are doubting. So we know that people struggle with doubt. We know that people struggle with faith, right? And, And what we are encouraged to do here is to have compassion and understanding on those who have sincere doubts. I know that you know people that have doubts. Uh, I have plenty of doubts in my own heart and my own mind. I've dealt with people with doubts many, many times, and we're told here how we're supposed to respond when someone is struggling with their faith. Remember the story in Matthew chapter 14. You know the story even if you don't know the address. Uh, This is the story when Peter is called by Jesus to walk on the water, right? Actually, Peter asked for permission, and, and so Jesus says, yeah, sure, come on out and walk with me on the water. And so uh, in verse 30 there of Matthew chapter 14, Peter gets out of the boat and he stands on the water, which is this incredible miracle. Can you imagine? He's walking on the water along with Jesus. Then it says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to doubt and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? I love that. I mean, here Jesus, he didn't rebuke Peter. He didn't say, Peter, I can't believe you you did that. What in the world? You're the you're worthless. He simply reached out to him and he embraced him. He grabbed him and then he offered something of an encouragement, right? He says, Oh, Peter, you need to have faith. Don't you know who? who I am. So what do we do? We, this is the great model for us. What do we do with people who are struggling with their faith? I think those two things that we see Jesus do, we care for them and we encourage them. We care for them and we encourage them. 
Care is that, that phrase, have mercy on those who doubt, right? We are, as the people of God, to be mercy givers. We're not the ones who judge. That's not our job. That is the job of someone else. We're, we're to give space rather than judgment. And oftentimes what we have to do is seek to draw people in rather than cut them out. And I think we're tempted very frequently to cut people out because they're struggling with something, they be, they're believing something that we're not so sure about, they have some doubts, and we begin to, to separate and cut rather than live openly and generously. And so I just want to encourage you, what we're to do with those who doubt is to be gracious towards them, to be generous in our spirit. We have to remember, we don't have it right either in every way. There's plenty of things that we're still struggling with. So do you have someone in your life that doesn't quite have it all together? Uh, you know them, right? They might be related to you. Their beliefs, uh, their beliefs are messed up. Their faith walk is messed up. Their relationships are messed up, right? They're messed up people. The easiest thing to do is to avoid them. And sometimes we'll find ourselves doing that. We, we have cut people out of our lives or we have avoided people because they're struggling. And Jude actually says, no, 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 wait a second. What we need to do is actually have mercy on them. We, we make space for them. We, we, we care for them and we're compassionate with them. And so we care for them, but then we also encourage them. Right? Jesus reaches out his hand and cares for him. But then he says, hey, Peter, you should have had more faith. You, you know who I am. This reminds me of 2 Timothy, where Paul is talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, a young pastor, uh, in verse, uh, two, uh, verse 24 of chapter 2. And, and he says this to Timothy. He says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, shouldn't fight, shouldn't argue, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Right? So here we're not looking for a fight. He says, Paul, Paul says to Timothy, you're not trying to fight with people. But you do need to gently instruct them. We're going we're gonna to be patient with them. We're going to acknowledge there is a, a, a problem of faith. There's some doubt. There's some challenges. That's okay. Uh, but we're going to offer them a gentle answer. And we're going to allow room for them to be able to receive it. I remember Romans 14.1. Uh, the next time you're tempted to cut someone off, the next time you're tempted to let them know that they don't have it right, just remember this verse, Romans 14, 1. I might say it just one more time because you may need to put it on your refrigerator because it's a good one for all of us, especially in the season. Actually, maybe we should put it on our phone or on our computer screen. It says this, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. In other words, some things are not worth fighting over. We're going to give space. And so this is the first group of people that that Jude says that we need to be discerning with. It's the people that are struggling in their faith. It's the people that their, their beliefs are kind of messed up. There's people that are still working on stuff. They don't have it figured out. What are we supposed to do? Care for them and encourage them. The second group is a group that we can call the disobedient. These are the people that are on fire. They're, they're burning. Verse 23, Jude says, save others, snatching them out of the fire. So here we have a dangerous situation. These people are actually in the fire. Now it's not literal fire. We're talking about a figurative fire. It's but it's because these people they just they, they've moved beyond just having doubt. They've moved into a different place where somehow they have 
they have engaged at a higher level and they're now in danger, right? They're, they're now beginning to walk in disobedience. Uh, and it's dangerous because we know that if they continue to walk along that road, it can ultimately be destructive for them and for their life. Proverbs 6.27 says this, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Well, of course, the answer is, is no. We know that if you're going to play with fire, you're going to be burned by fire. And disobedience, in this case, has, has consequences. And, and so here in this group of people, you have people that have moved beyond doubt. They've moved now into engaging in a disobedient behavior. They're willfully walking away from the Lord, walking away from his obedience, engaging with things and practices and lifestyles that are not good for them, and ultimately it's going to damage them and destroy them. They're on fire. They're in a risky place. Disobedience, that's what it does. It takes us out of the will of God. Disobedience puts us out of alignment with him and opens us up for the attack of the enemy. So when we're in alignment with the Lord, then we have uh, the, the ability to receive all of his blessing and all of his goodness. But when we take ourselves out of position with him, by our disobedience, then what we will find is that we have actually partnered with the enemy. Disobedience to the Lord is, is actually partnership with the work of Satan, which is a scary thing, and it should be scary, which is why Jude says, hey, you know, let's, let's help snatch these people out of the fire. That's why we have to be careful here, because we're dealing with people that they themselves, if they don't come out of what they're involved in, they can ultimately uh, set themselves on fire and set other people on fire. So we are seeking then with these people to warn them, to call them back to Christ, call them out of, out of disobedience. Uh, sometimes, you know, the truth is sometimes people don't recognize the road that they're on. Sometimes we, we move into areas of disobedience and it's a little and slow road and, and it's almost like we need to be woken up and, and uh, nothing like a, a word that is wise in the moment uh, to give into someone who has stumbled and we're able to reach in and draw them out of that situation, right? A well-placed word of life and even a well-placed warning can redirect someone who is, is on fire. But I, I just want to remind you that the way that we do that is really important. Um, I have found that uh, what I would call a, a mic drop strategy doesn't work very well. But we love to do it, just as like personal people. I, I love to just sort of, you know, give them the boom, drop the mic. You know, you should never do that. I can't believe you've done that. Boom, drop the mic. And, and we walk out and we feel better because we have said, how could you do that? That's against what God says. Or, you know, that kind of lifestyle will never yield good things. Boom, see you later. And that kind of strategy rarely works in actually calling people back into account. It feels really good internally for us, right? If we're dealing with our kids, if we're dealing with our family members, if we're dealing with people that we have a relationship with, when we are, we're generally concerned about them, but oftentimes what, we're, what we really want to do is just make sure that they know that we don't agree with what they're doing, that they're being disobedient. And so we'll say things that are very final and very powerful. We'll announce that. And then we'll walk away. But the truth is, is that if we really want to snatch people out of the fire, it does in fact require us to reach our hand out and pull them. It requires us to engage with them at a level beyond just the level of the mic drop. So next time you're tempted to do that mic drop, and we do mic drops on social media a lot. Uh, we do mic drops with, with people that, you know, we really shouldn't. 
where we just kind of we're gonna we're gonna give them a little stick of the knife, a little truth bomb, and hope that they receive it. And it usually doesn't work very well because uh, if there's no relationship there, then rarely are we gonna be able to actually snatch people out of the fire. We're actually kind of throwing more fuel on it more often than not. The, the third group of people that that Jude talks about. This final group is uh, what we would call the, the dangerous group. Verse 23 goes on, it says, On some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. So here in this group now, we're dealing with uh, a, a group that we have to actually be very concerned about. This is a, ca a very cautious compassion and a godly fear that we are to have because now we're dealing with dangerous people. This group has gone beyond doubting. They've gone beyond disobedience. They've begun to embrace a lifestyle that is ultimately leading them towards destruction. They've, they have, you know, and you know the difference. There's a difference between being disobedient and knowing that you're being disobedient and then willfully just embracing that disobedience and saying, no, I'm going to move in this direction. When, when people go to that point, Jude says, well, we have to, we have to actually be very careful here because, um, if we treat dangerous people like they're doubting people, or even like this, they're disobedient people, what we have done is we've failed to discern, and oftentimes we'll put ourselves in danger. And so in life-saving school, if someone's drowning, one of the things that they teach you is to be careful how you approach the drowning person. Because if you don't approach them from behind uh, and grab them from behind, they'll grab at you and crawl on top of you and you're at the risk of getting pulled under yourself and then neither one of you will be saved. And that's the truth about many, you know, would-be rescuers in, in the world. They have tried to reach in, they have meant well, but they have actually ended up uh, being trapped themselves in that thing. So the believer, here we, you and I, we have to never think, we have to be careful to ever think that we're beyond temptation or beyond satanic influence. Right? We have to be always humble and realizing that we too can stumble, that we too could be pulled into the same dangerous trap that this person has been. And we're just full of pride if we think any, any different. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 12. He says this, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And we all have been at a point where we thought we had it all together. Well, well I'm not going to deal with that ever again. And uh, pride, of course, goes before a fall. We have to be careful that we ourselves are not pulled into that very same trap. One more verse here, Colossians 2.8. I think it's important for us in, in this topic. It says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, which are based on human tradition and the spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. See, see to it that, there is, there, 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 that you're not captured by a teaching, that you're not captured by a belief that's twisted and that, that can pull you into a lifestyle and pull you into disobedience and ultimately uh, into a place of danger. And, and I just want to highlight a few things that there's many, but just to give you some examples of those twisted, common twisted beliefs that oftentimes uh, are available and offered to us by our world, by our culture, and by the enemy. Uh, and and this, this is the kind of thing that will end up 
oftentimes getting on you and pulling you in into that dangerous group. The first one is this, that uh, uh, that belief, that common twisted belief that a little sin doesn't really matter. It's not really that big of a deal that you can sort of deal with and manage the sin in your life and you can have a sin pocket over here and that somehow you can get away with it. So that's a, that'll get you in trouble. That'll lead you to a place of danger. Uh, the second one would be this. Uh, we hear this phrase repeated, uh, your body, your choice. In other words, do what feels good. You, you deserve it. You can, you can actually do what you want because your physical being, right, this, this source that you have, this natural thing, you're the one that's in charge of that. And the truth is, is that, well, you are in charge of your body, but the truth is, is that Jesus says, actually, now he owns your body. And so we are to actually glorify God with our body. So I don't have full choice anymore, actually, because I am submitted and yielded to him. He's the one that gets to direct me. And so see that twist there? Because yes, we do have direction over ourselves, but we actually shouldn't follow all the desires of our body, our fleshly desires. If we do, we'll get ourselves into danger. The third, third one might be this, all roads lead to heaven. You ever heard that one? All you have to be is sincere in your belief. You know, really, what's the difference? All of them will really get you. And if you just believe sincerely, watch your, you know, your heart and really try to go in that direction, you'll be okay. I'm sorry, that's a, that's a twisted belief that will get us into trouble, will take us away from the core of the gospel, take us away from the core of the reality of who, uh, who Jesus is and, and following him, and it'll get us off track and into a place of danger. The last one I'll give you, and there's many more, but just these are just for illustration purposes, is, uh, is what, do you, uh, what you do now doesn't really matter because God will forgive you, right? What you do now in this life, it's not that big a deal. You can live, how do they say you can live like hell? But uh, ultimately, if you know Jesus well, he's going to get you into heaven. He's your free ticket. And just we have to remember, Paul says in Galatians, God is not mocked. What a man sows, he reaps. What, what am I saying here? I, your faith is, it's not a game. You need to be on guard. You need to, you need to be prepared. Your, your life, my life, we have to constantly prepare and guard ourselves. If not, we'll end up losing ourselves. Our faith is something, as we've learned in the book of Jude, that is, is holy. It has to be built up and has to be protected. And we have to constantly bring ourselves back into the center of where he is. And so today we're talking about that essential skill, the prepper, the prepper's eye, that eye that is discerning, that we would have discernment to help us today to identify and separate the truth from the lies, to help us to know how to walk in a difficult season, what it is that we should avoid and what it is that we should actually embrace. Jude tells us specifically, right, there's these three groups of people that we need to be discerning, the doubting, the disobedient, and the dangerous. And what we must do is to be aware and to be prepared to deal with each group differently. Because we, as the people of God, we are to be a blessing on the earth. We are to be life givers to those that are around us. But if we are not discerning, we will find that we, are, we have blunted our effectiveness. We have not been prepared. We have not done the work. We don't have what we need in our spiritual bug out bag. And so what we're offering to the doubting, what we're offering to uh, the dangerous and the disobedient is not... Uh, in alignment with who they are. So we have to be ready. Now, maybe today you find yourself in one of those categories. 
you might be watching right now online and you realize that when I, I fall squarely into the doubting category. And, and I just want to today just figuratively reach out my hand to you and, and to say, come on back into the boat. And it's all right, you know? So it's, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to not be sure, but reach back to Jesus. Look at his face. He's the one that ultimately made Peter walk on water. He's the one that will help you walk through every challenge and every doubt that you have. I don't have all the answers. There's many doubts that I have. But what I have found is that when I look at the eyes of Jesus, when I embrace his hand, it's going to be okay is what I realize. And, and I'm able then to walk through that moment without having it crush me and without having me pull, pull me into a place that I don't want to be. Don't let doubt keep you from embracing the hand that Jesus is offering today to you. Maybe you fall into that disobedient category. Maybe that's you. When you, when we talked about that, you realize, man, you're, you're walking in a way and willfully being disobedient to some of the things that the Lord has called you to. And you've heard him whisper it to you, and you know you're doing some things that, that are, are in contradiction with what's inside of you. And I, and I just want to, to call out to you. I want to I warn you gently but but strongly that that you you need to come out of what you're doing that that disobedience ultimately is going to yield undesired fruit in your life that that pathway doesn't ever lead to a better place it always leads to destruction uh, and despair in your life and so the answer and the the remedy is of course very simple come back come back turn from that repent of it, say, I'm sorry, Lord, I can't believe, confess, do what you need to do to make it right, and then come back into the direction that you need to. Maybe you fall into that dangerous category, that last category, and you're, you're just in a situation where you know you're on fire, and you have gone to a place, and you need salvation. The answer for you, of course, is to run, run, run. You need to run into the arms of Jesus. You need to reach out for salvation today. You find yourselves doing things and running in ways uh, that are out of control, and you don't have uh, what you need to make it through life. And what you've got to do today is to reach out to Jesus. You need to reach out to the one who has the answer. You probably need salvation today. You need a relationship with him that will actually change the course of your future, that change the course of your entire life. Uh, Ephesians 5, I want to end with this, verses 15 and 16. And this is for all of us. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. My prayer and desire for myself and for all of us is that we would be wise in this season, that we would have discerning hearts, discerning spirits, that we'd be prepared, ready in season and out of season, prepared for the challenges that are ahead of us, that, that when others need assistance, that we have something to give. Why? Because we have prepared for this moment. We have put inside of ourselves, inside of our inner man, all the things that have been given to us. We've guarded his heart, his scripture in our hearts. We have done the work that's necessary to stay close to him in relationship with him. So when those moments come that we can actually snatch some out of the fire because we are people full of life. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that today you are giving your church a discerning spirit. And I'm praying for that today. I'm praying, God, that you would give us, take us up to a new level, a new place, that we would no longer be blind, that we would no longer buy hook, line, and sinker all the things that the world is offering to us, 
But Lord, you would give us by your spirit an ability to discern, to see what is good and what is not, to see lies, to separate them out from the truth, to understand what is behind those things that are offered to us. Lord, make us effective in not only seeing, but then responding appropriately. Help us to be people who draw uh, out of the wellspring of your life and are able to give hope to those who are hopeless, who are able to give encouragement to those who are doubting, to able, uh, able to lift up those who are discouraged today. Lord, help us to, to see those who are disobedient and to know how to reach out to them and to encourage them to come out of that place of disobedience and help us, Lord, with those uh, who are dangerous that we would bring salvation and life to them but would not fall into that same trap. Bless your people today, I pray, God. Give us a discerning and powerful spirit that we would be different in this season, prepared for everything that you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.